brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. My question for you today is a pretty big one. So think about it. But my question for you is, do you desire to stop rejecting yourself? Do you desire to stop hiding away dreams that you think are too big for you? Do you desire to stop glorifying your busy nature? You're busy. You're running here. You're running there. You're trying to stay busy, busy, busy all the time. You're trying to control. You're trying to distract yourself from what's really going on on the inside. Do you hope that you're serving the world, but you're not actively doing it. You're not actively going after the dream that you think will serve the world in the biggest way. Do you want to leave your footprint? Do you want to leave your mark? Do you want to leave an impact in this world? We all do. We all want to be able to do that. We all want to give back in ways that feel good to us, in ways that we can communicate our best, how we put our best foot forward. We want to be doing that. We want to be a positive role model for our children. We want to love our lives. But so many things get in the way. So many things. Stress, anxiety, grief, loss, pain. These things have the power to diminish our spirits. They have the power to make us want to play small in life and to hide these dreams we have, hide them away, not even to give them a second chance, not even to let them grow. The people that I work one-on-one with are done with this. They are done with hiding away. They're done with letting stress and control and obsession steer their lives, guide their paths, and they want to take control finally, real control. Not the kind of control where you're scrambling for all these different ways you can feel like you have power, but to actually gain the control by surrendering. Surrendering to your own greatness, surrendering to the path you're meant to take, And that's what I want for you. For right now, I am taking four new clients. I'm putting this out there. I'm putting it on my podcast. I want my audience to know that I'm taking four clients who believe that this is for them, that believe they are committed and willing to make this change. I don't do it very often where I put this out there in this kind of way, like on my podcast, because I work by referral. But I want to open up the invitation to anyone who feels like this could be them to go to my coaching page, to apply for my coaching, to send that over. Even if all of these things are you and you do feel like this is something you desire, you want this change in your life, we'll have to go through an application process so that I know you're a right fit for me. I know that investing in yourself in this kind of way can feel very scary. And there are many times where I've held myself back from investing in myself in this way. But every time that I decided, you know what, I'm going to raise the bar here and I'm going to put my worth high up and I'm going to invest in myself and in my life. Amazing things have happened. Miracles almost. That's how they feel to me. And that's what I want to be able to provide for anyone that is willing, committed, and ready for this type of change because your life will change. You will finally release those dreams that you have hidden inside. You will finally go after that thing. You'll finally stop rejecting yourself and you will put yourself first, and you will take care of yourself, and you'll have a life of balance and self-care and love and pleasure and joy, 
and happiness and all those things that you crave for right now. So if you're interested in it, go to my website, go to the coaching tab, fill out the application and send that back over. Today's episode is with Lou Yurik, my darling. I love her so much. Lou is a certified eating psychology coach and body image mentor who specializes in helping women to overcome their struggles with yo-yo dieting, food restriction, binge eating, shame, body hate, and other unwanted mindsets and behaviors. Through her one-on-one coaching program and online courses, Lou guides clients to end the exhausting hustle for food and body perfection by finding out who they really are, what they truly want, and how to finally get it. You can visit her website, louieats.com, to learn more about her. You can go to the show notes for this to find that link. And you can also grab her free guide, How to Befriend Your Body and Make Peace with Food. She's also on Instagram at louieats.com, and she provides daily doses of love, self-love, and inspiration over there. So you can see that. The review of the week comes from Cherez, and she says, This young woman is the best with five stars. Thank you so much, Sherez. Sweet and to the point. I like it. So the other announcement I have today, I wanted, I have a few announcements. First of all, there's a new course on my website. It's free course. It's, it's like my free guide. So I used to have 10 proven steps for ending any diet obsession on my, on my website. I have created a new free gift on my site and it's a program. It's a five lesson course that will help you to uncover your dreams, your passions, and help you serve the world. It's very powerful. I'm really excited that I created this. It's probably, to me, it definitely is the coolest thing I've ever created for free. So if you want to get that, if you want to do the course, just go to my website. You can sign up for that. You'll see it right there where you signed up for the free book if you got that. And you can sign up for the program and tell me how you like it. Tell me how it serves you and take it very seriously. That's how you'll make the changes. That's how you'll you'll grow and to see what you really want out of this one life you have to live. The other announcement I have is that there is a little shift going on right now in my business in case you haven't noticed. I'm going to be open and vulnerable and honest with you guys. I feel like myself, me as a person, I am growing and I am evolving. I'm not changing but I am growing and I am evolving. And with that, my business is going to be growing and evolving as well. So as much as I, I will continue to talk about body image and food and how I love to talk about it, I'm going to talk about more things. I'm going to be talking more about dreams and living your best life and passions and serving the world because that's truly what I do with my clients. It's, it's funny because I would call myself a body image and disordered eating coach, but the truth is we rarely talk about those things. Yeah, sometimes. But why spend all your time in a valuable coaching session talking about surface stuff when there's a why behind the why behind the why? Like you're not stressing about food in your body because food and body is so scary. You're stressing about food and body because life is so tough, because you're not in the job you want to be in, because the relationship isn't satisfying you, because you're not allowing yourself to have self-care, because you're not enjoying pleasure and letting yourself feel open and free to enjoying those things in life. So those are the things we spend our time talking about. So that's how I want to be presenting my message to you too. I want to be actually bringing those lessons that I teach in my sessions into the podcast and to my videos. So I'm going to be expanding. I'm not going to be not talking about food and body stuff, but I'm going to be expanding and I'm going to have different guests on that talk about different things. And Hopefully it will inspire you and it will inspire you to move past your own body image struggles and past. It's partly for me, it's been really nice and liberating to feel like I can shed that skin 
because talking about it day in, day out for the past two years, while it's been very helpful, there's also so much more growth that's been going on that I haven't really been sharing or screaming at the top of my lungs or passionately exclaiming how you two can have this as well. And that's what I want to be bringing into my my business and my message. So there is going to be a shift. I'm going to be expanding and I'm going to be opening up the doors to talk about these different things in life and these possibilities and focus more on unleashing dreams you have within yourself and teaching you how to make the most of the one life you've been given. Because if you don't want to look back at the end of your days and say, gosh, I wish I did more, I wish I lived more, I wish I served more, then you're in the right place because you'll be learning in this podcast and with the people that I have on and with my videos on YouTube how to be doing that, how to be making the most of the one life you've been given. So I hope it inspires you. I hope it encourages you. If you have ideas or topics for things that you want to be covered in the podcast in this direction, please let me know because I'd be happy to do that for you. So without further ado, let's go head on over to talk with Lou Urich because she has so many amazing insights to share with us today. It was a beautiful episode, a beautiful podcast, and I'm stoked for you to hear it. So let's go. Welcome to the Mind Body Musings podcast. The show for everyone and anyone that is ready to break free from the dogmatic chains of the health and fitness industry and create their own life free from restrictions. Now, introducing your host, Madeline Moon, a former fitness model gone sane and the author of the popular self-love book, The Perfection Myth. If you dig the show and you're looking for more insight on how to stop food and exercise from controlling your life, check out her website, maddiemoon.com, and grab your free guide. If you're ready to end dieting once and for all, it's time you learn how to pursue real health instead. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I am so excited to be talking with my friend. We have a speaker here from my program that I launched last year, Scripture Food Healing. And we've been staying in contact ever since. This girl is like my soul sister that I've never met. So I'm so excited to have Lou Urich on the show today. How are you doing, Lou? I'm doing great, Maddie. Thank you for having me. Yay! I'm so excited. I feel like this is so long overdue. I mean, yeah. I just, we we talk all the time, and I can't believe that I miss you whenever you came into Boulder, because I finally had my chance to meet you. I know. Amanda and I were pretty bummed about that, but there'll be another time. Definitely. So um, let's just go ahead and dive on in. I want to hear all about your background, your story, and what brought you to be teaching this so important message that you're teaching today. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I will try to give you the shorter version. Basically, I help women to be who they are and eat what they want in a body that they love. And for most of my life, that was who I was. So I embodied those principles. I grew up without any real issues around food. Food was just food. I enjoyed it. I loved it. Uh, But I loved so many other things, too. I really had a high self-esteem and a lot of pride in who I was. I've always been bold and forthright and really opinionated and free to share those opinions. I think my parents were just, they just allowed me to be the person that I was without condition and they loved me without condition. And so 
I just kind of showed up in the world and was like, hey, guys, it's me. And this is my body and this is my food and this is my life. And I lived that way through, you know, through all the times when most people start having the food and body issues. I skated through those without any concern. And and I honestly was like, I'm five foot nine and really tall. And I have these little petite, like I have this teeny tiny little best friend that I've had since sixth grade, we met in the spelling bee. And I never felt weird or different that um, I towered over her or wore the same size clothes as her mom or anything like that. You know, I was really comfortable in my body and comfortable with other people's bodies too, and wasn't into comparing or valuing myself or them based on their body. And that continued through, you know, puberty and through college. And everyone talks about, you know, the freshman 15 or whatever that is. I really didn't notice any of that. I went to college, ate cafeteria food, you know, lived a normal college life. And I really didn't even work out or wasn't even introduced to the gym until I ended up having some roommates who loved the gym. And if I wanted to spend time with them, I had to go. So I was introduced to the elliptical and it was a really like on again, off again, no big deal sort of relationship. And so I got married and Again, sometimes that's a time when people start dieting or over-exercising to quote unquote like fit into their dress and my dress fit me just fine in the, in the store. So I never really had those concerns with my body. And uh, even after having a baby and um, the body changes that I went through then, again, I really just let my body do what it does and uh, move back into that happy place and that happy weight. And I didn't force it and I didn't push it and I didn't think much about food. And then, you know, fast forward a few years after that and my family was going through a lot of medical trauma and I was grasping for control. And my husband actually had suggested he wanted to do a popular fitness program. And I was like, all right, like I'll do this with you. You know, I had been eating a little bit emotionally, uh, just because of all the stress that I was going through. And I thought, oh, this is a great opportunity to support him and to get quote unquote healthy. You know, we think that these popular fitness programs with their meal plans and their workout schedule is going to make us healthy. And I say that again in quotes. And um, I thought, hey, maybe I'll get a six pack. But I'm super committed. I'm really competitive. So once I decided on that, well, that's what I did. Like I stuck to that meal plan to a T. And I stuck to the workout schedule to a T. And um, by the end of three months, I had lost my period and was losing my hair. And I, let's see, lost my period, was losing my hair, lost my butt, lost my boobs, lost all of my body, and was just this waif-thin person, shell of myself. And I lost my sex drive and my joy. And that has is pretty much how I stayed for several years until I eventually realized that I needed help and I hired a coach. And she really changed my life and helped me to get back that Lou that I had lost for so long. And in doing so, I realized I wanted to share this transition and transformation that I had made with the world. And I wanted to help women to really remember who they are and to be bold and to be fully themselves and to just exercise that freedom to eat and move their bodies in whatever way they choose and feel confident in their decisions and their choices without needing to depend on outside 
sources and third parties and giving away their power because I felt like that is really what I had done. And so, um, yeah, so the rest is really history. I got certified in eating psychology and opened my practice, and I have been just sharing the message of being yourself and food freedom and body love ever since. Oh, it's so amazing to hear your story. Thank you for sharing that with us. I think one of the really cool things I want to touch on is the fact that you had such a healthy relationship with your body growing up. That's something rare that I hear about on this podcast because most everyone's Mm -hmm. journey starts whenever they're young, when their mother did this, father did this, felt out of control with their friends or their food or whatever it could be. What do you think was that factor that really contributed to you or factors to you having such a healthy relationship with your body being tall and not feeling like you're different in a bad way, like those things. How, how is that respect for your body nurtured as a kid? Hmm, that's a really good question. And I think it is really, it is rare that women haven't had a childhood marked by body image issues and experiences that tell them that their body isn't enough. And yet at the same time, I've worked with quite a handful of women who it only took one diet. It only took one workout plan. It only took one choice to get quote healthy or get quote fit or, you know, go for that six pack to send them spiraling. And um, so there's both sides, you know, but let's see, as a kid, I think that my parents, both of them, and really, I'm going to say all three of them, I come from a, a family. I have you know, a mom, a dad, a stepmom, a step family, and they're all my family. I love them so much. So really all of the parents in my life, I would say all three of them, my mom, my dad, and my stepmom never brought up body stuff to me or my siblings. Like it just, our bodies were pretty inconsequential. We were always active. We were moving them, you know, riding bike and taking walks and, and, uh, playing in the yard and things like that. But there was never any really push to have a certain type of physique. And we, I I remember times when my body was praised like, Oh, for being tall or, Oh, you look like a supermodel or stuff was, that was stuff that my um, mom would say to me sometimes. And, and, uh, Oh, that could be you. She'd like point to TV and be like, Oh, that could be you. But that stuff didn't really charge me. Like I was just like, Oh yeah, maybe whatever. You know, I didn't, I just, I just didn't really feel like my body is what, identified me as a person. And I think it's because my parents were very good at praising the other attributes of who I was, my personality, my uh, writing skills, my uh, sense of humor, and my creativity. I loved to draw and to paint and to do pottery. And they just, they embraced all those aspects of me. And so my body was really just something else. And food wasn't a big deal. I don't remember ever seeing any of them diet or have disordered relationships around food or their own bodies. And so I didn't acquire that myself. Do you also feel like the relationship between your successes and your failures were equally encouraged like to take risks in life? Because like, as you and I both know, it's never really about the food, like food and body stuff can be triggered at a young age by the way our parents talk about food and body, but it also comes down to how we're treated whenever we're not, quote, perfect or whenever we fail or whenever we um, feel sad and don't feel allowed to release our emotions. So do you think that you were also raised in a way to take those risks and 
not always feel like you need to be perfect or have control over your life completely. I think those are really important things to point out. Yeah, you know what? Exactly. And it's funny because this is the way that my husband and I raise our kids too. Like failure is just a par for the course. You know, my dad has always been an entrepreneur. My mom was always one of those, you know, those women who was like, oh yeah, I'm woman, see me roar. Like I'll do anything that anyone else can do. Like my sex doesn't matter. My um, education level doesn't matter. Like, you know, what matters is that I'm a person and I've got spunk and I have got willpower and I will make stuff happen. And so both of them always taught me that. And the same with um, my stepmom is just this amazing, amazing woman. And so kind and loving and nurturing that, yeah, it didn't matter if we made mistakes, if we got a bad grade on a test, or if we were super disappointing in our behavior or a choice that we made, like there was just always love there and always acceptance there. And so you're right. I never really felt like I had to do something to earn love or appreciation or to gain value for who I was. That was just natural. That was innate to being a human being and being a part of a family from all of my all of my family, my parents and my siblings and everyone. Mm, yeah. I have a lot of clients who like I've talked to them about things they're going through and you know, they want to take a risk and they want to like I don't know, go out on a limb on something, but they have the voice of their parents in their heads saying, mm. "You can't do that. I'm going to be disappointed if you leave this job. I'm going to be disappointed in you if you don't see through on this opportunity. Uh, and the parent isn't even saying these things, but it's the voice playing over in their head from remembering when they're a kid and they didn't ace the spelling bee or they didn't get the internship or go to the right college. And as you get older, those voices still come back. Like you make big decisions right. in your life and you, what, what voice do you hear? It's not even, it's not even always your own. I mean, deep down, it's probably your inner mean girl that's acting out like a parent. <laughs> you know, if we get right. really, really deep, but on the service level, it just feels like it's the, the parent in your mind telling you that you have to be the certain way. You can't do this. You can't do that or you will fail. And then that is when you start acting out on your body. That is when you're triggered mm -hmm. to change your body because you want to do this thing, but you feel like your parent wouldn't approve or you feel like you would be deemed a failure or this or that. So it's like body image, body image, body image. But that's really what's going on. And I think that's, gosh, I don't even know what it's like to be a parent, of course. I mean, I'm like, yeah, mm -hmm. not even close to that. I can't even imagine how hard it is to be a parent. But I feel like no one, no parent is perfect. I know this because perfection's not real, but that's a hefty job you have to take on to like constantly be on that fine line as a parent of encouraging all all the things that your child does but also guiding them and teaching them and steering them oh so scary yeah yeah but just life. you do <laughs> it's just like everything else though one day at a time and yeah I think you're right you know I I can't say enough great things about my parents especially my I'm so close to my dad that's um the closest parental relationship I have. And he's to this day, my biggest cheerleader. And to this day, we'll still be like, you know what, Lou, I just really, he's the one who gave me the name Lou. Um, but he'll just tell me how much he loves me and, and, uh, how proud he is of me, whether it's in my parenting or it's in my work or it's in something simple that I did or a conversation that I had that he really thought was engaging. And so, yeah, there's just, 
that encouragement, I think, goes really far. So no parent is perfect. I'm certainly not perfect as a parent. But I think when we can encourage other people around us, whether they're our children or our spouses, our, our friends, our clients, our family, I think it goes really far in covering over some of those hurts and wounds in other areas. Mm, yes. Encouragement. I love it. So mm-hmm. beautiful. Switching gears a little bit. Let's talk about the the partnership that you had with your hubby when you were going th- when you're coming out of this obsession with fitness and food, what did that look like? What was the dynamic like when you decided you needed to change your views on your body and change your views on food? Where was he mentally? How did he feel about his own relationship with food and his body? Oh, this is a really good question. So he was definitely at a different place than me. He was able to go through this program and, you know, like, It was really normal and nothing really changed for him. He didn't have the hormonal changes or the, the, he did have some physical changes, sure, but he didn't have the extreme changes that I had. And, and so, and when it was over, it was just over for him. Whereas for me, when it was over, I went like crazy and I continued to restrict my food and I continued to overexercise and then I would you know, compensate. So if I had a glass of wine or had a brownie one night, then I was doing, you know, two a days the next day and doubling up and always trying to do this math that so many people who are your listeners and obviously you and our clients are so familiar with, but just that calorie math and that calories in calories out. And I I must work out and, and putting all these demands on myself when it came to food and when it came to exercise that he just didn't really have after that point for him, it was like, Oh, that was fun. Okay. On to the next thing. And for me, it turned into this spiral where eventually the restriction over exercise just caught up with me. And I uh, began binge eating like horribly, horribly. And so just massive amounts of food. Cause I could always put away a big amount of food. Like to this day, like I can still eat a lot of food. But so when it came to the binges, they were just extreme, we're talking economy sized bags of chocolate chips and the crazy stuff. And once I started confessing, like first I did it all in secret, obviously that's um, the way that it happens usually with binges. But eventually I started telling him like, I have a problem or like, this is what happened. And eventually I started getting sick. So I would eat myself sick during the day while he was at work. And when he came home, I'd be like, yeah, I got to go to bed because I actually can't stand up straight. My stomach is cramping and I'm shaking because of the sugar rush and I need I just, I have to go to bed and I started getting insomnia and I started having, you know, night sweats and joint pain and a lot of stuff I couldn't hide anymore. And so very slowly I started to share with him what I was actually experiencing and he didn't know what to do, which I think happens with a lot of partners. Like they're like, okay, I don't know how to deal with this. Like they have no frame of reference for how to support you. And so I think, you know, I, I know that he like researched online and was looking for ways to help me and did his best to help me. But I think where he really showed up for me was once I started pursuing a coach. And having a coach is an investment. It's it's a, it's a monetary investment in your healing. And for me, I didn't think I was worth it. So, of course, when it came, you know, when push came to shove and I found a coach I really liked and I knew her fee, I was like, yeah, no way. We can't do that. No, Sorry. And now I would pay like 10,000 times that much to have the healing and the food freedom and just the freedom in my life that I have now. 
But at the time, I was like, nope, no way. We can't do that. I, I couldn't. No. Mm-mm. And he was the one who was like, oh, no, I really think we should do this. Let's do it. Like, there is no amount too high to get you the help you need. Like, that's where I think he really showed up to show me that I was worth it and that he was willing to sacrifice for my health and my healing, even when I didn't feel like I was worth it. Because, of course, when you're in that binge restrict cycle, body hate, self-loathing, like you, you don't think that you're worth getting the help that you need. And really, it just takes that one choice. And then a whole new world opens up. And so I was so thankful to have a partner who was there to push me towards that one choice and be like, just, you know, to hold space for me and say, I know you're not feeling that you're worth this, but I'm telling you you're worth it. And I'm with you. Let's do it. So that's where I think he really showed up for me. And then, of course, all along my recovery and my healing, he was my biggest cheerleader. Oh, absolutely. That's such a beautiful like relationship and partnership. I feel like I've seen this pattern with people who come from restrictive or binging uh, habits with food. They also have these kind of relationships with money where there's like either scarcity or there is restriction or they don't have the same value on themselves. And money is like, Oh, over here. And like, but you're over here. And like, you can't use, you can't use the money. You, you can't use it on yourself. You can't use it on your well being. Like money needs to be used for, for tangible things that you can, you can pay for and receive something in an instant. But coaching is like, the biggest gift you can give to yourself. And I love that you brought up that where your husband really showed up for you was encouraging you to do that because that is huge. Partners, guys, if they haven't lived through this and they're not a counselor or therapist, it's like really likely they're not really going to know what to do. But being able to encourage you in the right direction to someone who does I think that's the best way your partner can show up for you. And if you have a partner that doesn't know that, then maybe like you just explain to them like that is their, that is, would be a wonderful way for them to be able to support you is to have this honest conversation about hiring a coach, investing in your life. And maybe that will even inspire him to hire his own coach for life, you know, and then we can all grow together. So it's great. I love, I love that you said that. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. He's cool. So, you and him have been together for how long? Well, I know we're recording now, so this will come out later, but it's 11 years today. This, this is our 11th anniversary. Oh my gosh, it's so long and that's so amazing. Yeah. 11 years. Uh, I think my longest relationship was like, <laughs> I guess it was the one I just got out of. It was like a year, a year and like two months, like consecutively without breaking up. It was a year and two yeah. months. Yeah. That's amazing. So do you have any advice? Like this is totally not food related, but do you have any (laughs) advice for just like keeping marriages, like even at 11 years, being able to keep things like lively and alive? I'm sure having kids helps, but what do you and him do to have that growth together consistently to continue to grow in each other's lives as partners? Oh, that's so funny. I just had this conversation with some friends over the weekend. And I do. I have something that I share with most people who ask me this advice. And it's actually a quote from a poem. I'm going to, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, but Khalil Gibran. Mm -hmm. But the quote is, the pillars of the temple stand apart and the oak tree and cypress grow not in each other's shadow. And so it's really funny. My husband and I fell upon this poetry book when we were just dating and we 
in college, you know, you went to this Barnes and Noble often and uh, we found this poem and we're like, wow, this is so funny. This is us because at the time he was in a band and I had a lot of things that I was doing and we were both very independent people. And it sort of became this theme in our marriage, like the oak tree and the cypress grow not in each other's shadow. So even while we were dating, there was just this I don't, it just became us, this idea that we weren't going to grow in each other's shadow. We didn't want to overshadow each other. We wanted to be together and yet stand apart. And I think that's something we've carried out throughout our entire dating relationship and then our 11 years of marriage is being, we're very independent people. And yet when we have time to spend together, we really enjoy spending our time together. So we love each other. We're the best of friends. And we also continue to romance each other. But also, we're not we're not threatened by the other person's independence. We're not threatened by each other's successes or each other's interests or hobbies outside of our marriage. We encourage those things, and then we come together. It's like it's amazing. It's it's so fun. And we were just talking today. We had no idea that our marriage could be this good, but we really are grateful. And I do think a lot of it comes from the fact that we don't depend on each other for our own happiness, but we are so happy together. How do you find yourself continuing to make sure that your focus is is very strongly on yourself and your own personal growth? Because like I find that was something a little bit tough for me whenever I lived with my boyfriend is like I'm a very independent person as well. Very, very mm-hmm. independent. But I found myself not relying on him per se, but inching closer to that. Like I would be at home, like a lot more than I would be going out and about and like exploring. And that's why I think I, cause that's a huge part of me and being in that relationship, I was not fulfilling that huge part of me of being social and meeting people and being adventurous, which is crazy. Cause I'm the total opposite. Like here I am traveling in Thailand and I'm just constantly bopping around from place to place because I love doing that. And I think I'm making up for the past year of not really getting out, but that, that was my own fault. Like I was relying on him. It really wasn't his fault that I kind of just got into this rut at all. It wasn't his fault, but in a, in a similar way, he was kind of doing that with me. So that was just a huge warning sign that we were both not really feeding ourselves. It was almost like it wasn't a safe space for us to be independent people. So I guess my question is, Whenever you were dating with your partner, did you realize at and during the dating time that you were both appreciative of each other's independence and wanted to encourage that? Or is that something that you learned in the marriage? No, you know what? I think we both, <laughs> we did start out that way. We were really close friends for a few years before anything romantic happened between us and we sort of knew each other's quirks and each other's strength and boldness and independence we're both pretty outgoing we both are passionate have strong opinions like to talk and debate we're, we love critical thinking so we can get in these really long conversations just looking at something from all different angles and and enjoying that and we've always had that so I think we both knew that about each other but I think for us the best thing was communication like 
my husband Ken wasn't going to know what I needed when I needed space when I he's more social than I am so I could stay like locked in my bedroom reading a book and have him sit beside me reading a book too and feel like that was like the best time Mm -hmm, whereas he would want to go out you know he'd want to go out to a cookout or to a party with friends and that's not that I don't love my friends but I am introverted in the sense that I get filled up by being alone more so than being out and being social and so We've had to have conversations about that, those things, and it's a give and a take because we are different in that sense. And so we just step in for each other when one person is needing something. We try to accommodate them and the other person the same thing. But we wouldn't know if we didn't share it with each other, if we didn't have those open conversations and be really honest with each other. And so that's what we are. Yeah, exactly. Can you, can you tell us, like, story time? Like, how did you all meet? story time. How did we all meet? Yes. Okay. So we met freshman year of college in a bioscience class and he was this punk rocker guy, played bass in a punk rock band. And he had a bunch of piercings all over his face and like this wild hair and this, we call it the subway stare, but it was like, you know, how people on the subway, like don't really look at each other, smile or talk to each other. And it was like that, like he just was like, I don't know, just kind of looked angsty and angry. And I was like, you know, but I was like, oh, hey. And just right away was attracted to him. Not, I was actually dating someone at the time. It wasn't like this right away sexual, romantic sort of attraction, but it was more like this, okay, this person, I feel a connection here. Like I feel something, a, a great friendship or whatever. And that's what it became. We really just connected after that point. But it was really because I wasn't scared of him. So everyone else, he said, would just walk the other way, like look the other way or keep walking when he walked past. Like He had friends. He had friends. But he just was a little intimidating, but not to me. I don't know. He just wasn't. So I right away approached him the first time we met and we, you know, hit it off and were joking around and had a really good dynamic. And so we stayed friends for a long time until anything romantic happened. Um, where all were his piercings? Like, I really am trying to get this visual down because it's intimidating. Okay. okay. Yeah. Tell me. It's so funny because he doesn't have, he has tattoos now, but he doesn't have any piercings because his business is, you know, he's got to be all clean cut. But the one I miss the most is his lip. He had a lip ring and I just loved that. <laughs> I mean, it's so cute. I still, if you would get it back, I'd be so happy. I just love it. But so he had a lip ring. He had plugs in his ears. Um, he had an eyebrow piercing. I think that was it. Okay, yeah. That's pretty that's pretty punk rock. I like it. That that's, is. That's one of the things I really love about you too is like I mean, I love so many things about you, but you're very um you're a very uh, yeah, you're like a very just you're going to be yourself. Like you are yeah. who you are and I love that about you and it's very inspiring because here you are being this amazing kick butt spiritual tattooed up chick that like you you have such a unique family dynamic. You're honest with Snapchat about how you raise your kids. You're honest about the fact that you have a son that's a different color than you and how people mm-hmm. look at you guys and you have an entire arm full of tattoos. I don't, I don't even know how many <laughs> tattoos you have, but tons. And then you're you're like breaking all these stereotypes. You're like this passionate caring, insightful Christian and like healer and coach. Like, I just love you. I love so many different things about you, but your life is just so colorful and, and it's just, it's inspiring to be able to watch because I'm sure that, you know, you've, you've gone through a lot of things in your past and you're having to really, truly deal with these 
society's expectations, like come face to face with them, with, with your parents, with your family, like all these different things, you probably get a different side of, uh, of like the way people view you or maybe judge you or all these things. And you have to take this information and do what you can with it to teach us who don't, people who might not ever be in that situation, but also to grow yourself and to know like how you want to be treated and respected and how you want to be treating and respecting other people. It's, it's beautiful. Well, thanks, Maddie. It's definitely, it definitely wasn't without a lot of, I don't know, ups and downs. It's definitely not without pain that I am fully myself and that I'm open and honest with my thoughts and with my opinions and with my values and where I stand. And I say that as someone, I say that just as a human being. Like, I don't say that as a person of faith or not. I just say as a human being, it's really hard. And I would say I've been rejected in the world just as much as I have been in any church. And that's okay because I am just who I am and I'm really okay to explore and to deconstruct and to reconstruct all aspects of myself, whether that be my faith or my feelings about food and body or my thoughts about parenting or about being, you know, a wife or a woman or an entrepreneur, whatever it is, I am so okay with uncertainty and with not knowing it all. And I think that's what really helps, but I also think that's what feels kind of dangerous to other people, you know, because I'm just like, hey, you know, I'll know when mm-hmm. I know and mm-hmm. keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the things I did want to ask you about is like, is this, this goes into it very well, but like being who you are, like unapologetically, like not feeling like you constantly have to hide that truth within you. What advice do you have for people who don't even know what that is? Because their entire life they've been living according to other people's expectations or standards or pressures or having to constantly feel like they're in control. Do you have any advice for people who don't know who the heck they are and how they can discover that? Oh, sure. I mean, my I really think that deep down, most of us do know. We have this intuitive knowing when something isn't driving with us. I really do. But I do think it's buried under so many different cultural suggestions and seeming requirements and so many mandates that are put on us from outside sources that we can forget. But I do think it's down there. It's there somewhere. And so I always like to tell people to start small. So start in in these little things, just opening up to the idea of, okay, if I, if, if there were no other voices around telling me what to do, if it was just me in a vacuum, like nothing else. What would I choose here? Whether it's what you would choose for breakfast or how you would choose to spend your time or who you would choose to spend your time with, just taking those little steps of like uh, what you want to wear, you know, um, just taking those little steps and also just having that that grace and that patience with yourself that you don't have to have it all right the first time. I mean, sometimes I feel like we take life just a little too seriously. I think mm-hmm. I think most of us actually take life a lot too Way seriously because too seriously. Yeah. Like just have fun with it. Like, I mean, what's the worst thing that could happen if you eat like a cupcake for breakfast or if you wear all black or if you get a tattoo, like what is the worst thing that can happen? You know what I mean? I just, that's sometimes that's how I look at life, you know, and that's with my clients is what I do is kind of have them to start explore like, okay, well, what are, what are a few things that you, if you could have more of anything in your life right now, and money wasn't an object and other people's opinions weren't an object and just nothing else was an object except for you wanted more of something in your life. Give me a list of those things. And when they do, 
it's things that they could really actually either start doing now or make steps towards. So then that's what I have them do. And we work through that and we work through their experiences and stepping out in that. And we just make it one big fun experiment. You know, we don't take it too seriously. It's just like, hey, I'm a scientist and I'm going to do this and I'm going to take notes and I'm going to see how I feel and how I get responses from people around me and how I deal with those. And sometimes it's going to hurt and sometimes it's going to feel amazing. But the more and more you step out and first of all, start reacquainting yourself with yourself and then start testing the waters and experimenting with what you like and don't like, the freer you are. I just, I like it when people are just bold and open because as long as you're bold and open with that, with, with an apology or an oops, I was wrong or an I'm sorry in your back pocket. So if you're bold and open with some humility, you're fine. You know, nothing, most things aren't that we're going to do in, in this life and in exercising our freedom to be ourselves anyway. They're, they're not life and death. They're not going to harm anyone. No, they're not going to harm anyone. And it's like, the point is like the whole summary it's, we are here to live beautiful lives, but we're all going to die. Like that right. is the, that is the huge fact. We are all going to die. So like, why are you stressing so much about that one particular thing? Or why is so much writing on, on, on that conversation that you had? Like, does it really matter that much? No, it doesn't. Like, I'm just going to answer that for you. It doesn't. (laughs) It really doesn't. Like, yeah, it may feel like it's really important right now in this moment, or it may really feel like it's going to be a make or break for your life. If you go this direction or you go this direction, like it may feel really big and that's okay. Of course, we're allowed to, to feel that way and celebrate successes and, um, look at quote failures and analyze what could we've done bigger or better or whatever. Those things are fine. Those are great, but it's not a situation where your happiness or your value as a human being should be writing on it because like you, we, you, we, all of us are going to die. So like make the most of the one life you have, like you have one life you've been given. You can either mm-hmm. fight against it until the day you die. Or you can work with it. You can work it till the day you die. Like those are your two choices. So I always go back to that thought. And it's funny that I say that now here I am being 24 saying this because I remember when I was 14, that was like my, like my morbid, like that was like my morbid like quote I would always say in my head. It's really not morbid, but I think whenever I was 14, it was more like, uh, we're all going to die. Like, you know, I was like kind of emo back then too, like wearing hot topic (laughs) and all this. But like, I was always thinking just like, we're all going to die one day. Why not just like chill the heck out, you know? And here I am yeah. now, like completely different person really. But I, I still, that same fact, that same thing I keep in, in the forefront of my mind, like one day that will happen. And why not just make the most of this, this precious life knowing that yeah. really serious fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Intense. Yeah. And so right on. So last thing I want to ask you before quick fire round. And this time it's like for everyone listening, I'm, I legit made a quick fire round. Normally, Lou, I don't know if you realize this, but my quick fire questions are like super serious and heavy. Uh-huh. And so now I'm going to make them more fun. So we're going to have a oh, fun, okay. fun, easier one. I'm excited about it. Um, cool. But the last thing I want to ask you is what does it look like to date yourself, to date your body in in a way that will help you come closer to body acceptance, maybe love, but body acceptance, what does that look like for you? Oh yeah. This is a really good question. It's something I talk about a lot because I see the relationships with women and their bodies very similar to, I see 
just regular romantic relationships in the sense that, and I, I share this with all of my clients, is that at first it's totally awkward. If you haven't been comfortable in your body, if you feel like a stranger from it, I mean, most women come to me, I'm sure they come to you, Maddie, and say, I don't even know whose this body is. This body isn't mine. I feel like a stranger in my body. I hear that a lot. And so I always say, well, okay, yeah. Well, now we're going to start dating your body. And I'm like a major science medical info nerd like I love doing medical research just for fun some of my friends have nicknamed me Lou MD but I and so I found when I was first starting to be reacquainted with my body and date my body that it was really fun and intriguing to google stalk it just like I would google stalk a potential mate right you start dating someone you're like let me see what I can find out about this person like I'm going to Facebook stalk them I'm going to google them I'm going to do all the things to get as much information as I can ahead of time and that actually is what really inspired the that final shift for me of like I'm never going back to this weird disordered pattern that I'd had for three years because I started realizing all the ways that my body was for me and all the the ways that it's the binging and the body aches and the hormonal issues and all of that were ways to keep me thriving and keep me healthy and keep me alive. It was like my body's, you know, they're pulling, it was pulling out all the stops to take care of me. And so actually Google stalking my body when I was first getting acquainted with it really helped me to, to fall in love with it and to, and to pre- appreciate it at least at first. And so I always tell people, you know, you start dating, it's going to be really awkward, but think about what you do with the person that you're dating. Like, sure, it's awkward at first, but then you brush hands and then there's like a little spark and it's still weird and you still feel maybe a little tense and unsure, but you keep going. And as you continue to date, you, you know, there's things that you do, you cherish that person. And so you cherish your body, you speak kindly of them, you offer them gifts, you tell them how thankful you are for them. And the other thing you do is you don't let haters hate, right? So like, if you're dating someone and people are coming down on your partner, you're like, no way, step off. Like, I'm, we're done here. You're not going to knock my partner. And so having that same idea with your body where it's, again, Maddie, you talk about this a lot. I know I do too. And so many of our colleagues, but like, you've got to change your social media feeds, watch what's coming in, watch what's around you. The diet and the fitness industry are just so ripe with messages that your body isn't enough and that it it's wrong the way it is. It needs to be changed. And so just think about when you're dating someone, you protect them from that. You kind of create this bubble and you're like, I'm not going to let anyone knock my, my partner. And so it's that same loving defense that you can have for your body. And then over time, as you just continue this relationship, it gets more and more comfortable to where it's just really not, you're not tense anymore. Everything just kind of flows and you can be like me married 11 years and feeling like these are the best, this is the best times of your relationship, you know? And so that's what, when I talk to people about dating their body, it's that trajectory of like, I know it's really, really awkward right now and it feels so uncomfortable, but think about some of those really awkward first dates that led to amazing relationships. This is kind of a weird question, but I'm just yeah. thinking about – because everything you just said, yes, I love it. Absolutely. <laughs> Adding on, I've read things or heard coaches and I, I've just – I don't – I've never really recommended this to my own clients and I'm just here – I'm just curious about your own perspective. But like I was reading like a recovery book or something with tools on like things to do to get used to your body again. One of them was just like – laying down, touching all the parts of your body you don't like. So like touching your stomach for 20 minutes or, or looking in the mirror at yourself, 
like naked or like not wearing clothes and just like being really with your body. I feel like that's really intense. And I feel like a lot of people need to come to a very different place before they just like go there where they just spend Mm -hmm. all this time like touching their stomach and just like looking in the mirror and just standing there or like just, I don't really remember, I'm not doing it justice because I don't really remember exactly (laughs) what, how this was described, but it was very much like, oh, this will fix your problems. You know, like that's kind of how it was phrased. And I'm like, wow, there's a lot more work that needs to be done. Like, I love what you said, like start with dating your body and like treating it kind of like you would your partner, like sticking up for it and uh, like treating it to different days or things you do with your body that make you feel good. Maybe eventually I I would never, my goal is never to be able to sit in front of a mirror for 30 minutes and look at my body because I have other things I need to do. And Mm -hmm. my goal is to not care so much about my body at all. Like I'm not trying to get to this place of obsession with it in in a positive way at -hmm. all. Like, I just want to be cool with it. I want to love it and I want to use it. Like, my body here is to use it. So to me, like, the whole thing of just, like, trying to almost force feed body love, that's how it sounded to me is just these Mm. kind of exercises are more not – they're not very helpful. Like, what we need to learn is just how to accept our body and and use it and then go go out and do important things. So I really just – I started this with wanting your thoughts and then I just totally went off on my own thoughts. So what are your thoughts on – exercises like this, if you know what I'm referring to. Yeah. You know what, Maddie? I do know what you're referring to and I appreciate your thoughts so much. I sometimes, I have some clients, first of all, I think you're right. I think you have to be at a certain point already with your body. This is like after the awkward phase and the dating phase and probably the going steady phase of relating to your body or probably during that phase. But I do have some clients who I recommend mirror work with, uh, which is similar to what you're describing or body scanning. And I recommend that as a simple way to just acknowledge that we don't have to like everything about our bodies to love our bodies. So it's the same again with a spouse, with a partner. Like I don't really, I don't particularly love my husband's taste in music, right? But I love him. And so some of the things that he does, some of his personality quirks or some of his preferences and some things about him, are they my favorite? Do I enjoy them? Maybe not. But I have an amazing relationship with him and such a deep and profound love for him. And despite those things, you know, and sometimes even because of those things. And so that's what I try to teach when I do recommend body scanning or mirror work with my clients is more the idea that you can look at the whole and appreciate it. And you can even appreciate those parts that you don't love. You don't have to love them. But still, as a whole, you can love your body. So you can acknowledge like, oh, maybe I don't really love my thighs, but I love my body. And because I love my body, I'm willing to accept all parts of it mm-hmm. and and then move on. Yeah, go out, get into the world, move your body, do the amazing things. But at the same time, it's like, you know, it's the same. Again, I relate this to relationships a lot but because I think it's because it's such a simple analogy often for people to get. But so I would say in the same respect, like I'm not always using my husband, like we're not just always having sex and always going out doing things and always, you know, that sometimes I just like just staring at him and just appreciating him and saying like, wow, like I have a relationship with you. And this is what I get to Mm -hmm. engage in and experience in my life. And so in that respect, I think teaching people to be able to be okay with sitting with their body is a good thing. But you're right. I think when it comes to being obsessed or again, 
starting to think that, well, I have to think that I'm hot, so hot all the time. Like that turns into this place where once again, you're putting value in who you are based on your body. It's just this time you're valuing it as like good enough or better than others. And that wouldn't be the point. Right. I think we're saying the same thing because I definitely Mm -hmm. agree with you and like being able to look at it and appreciate it. And I do body scans with my clients as well, but it's more of like a, a meditation where you lay down and you start with your toes, you start with your ankles, you go up to your shins, your knees. Like it's really the way that it feels and like appreciating the things it does. I think it's more that I'm referring to as the force feeding, like when you're not ready yet and it's like, do it. Like you can be ready, do it. Just sit in front of the mirror and do it. Like this is going to fix it. Do it. You know, that's when I'm like, no, 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 no. You need to work your way there. You need to like feel what it's like to actually be in your body and be okay with it. And then you begin to see it and really see it and not feel as negative, like, you know, hurt, like hurt from your body. So I think we're saying the same thing. I think that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay. So quick fire round time. Actually not yet. Where can people find you? Or I'll talk about Where can people find you? And then quick fire time around time. Okay. Mm -hmm. Where can people find me? Well, people can find me at my website. It's loueats.com and that's L-U-E-A-T-S dot com. And I am Lou Eats on Facebook or Lou Uric, but let's be real. The reason I go by Lou Eats is because Uric is really hard to spell and really hard to pronounce. So it's loueats.com, Lou Eats on Facebook, and my Instagram handle where I spend a lot of time is spelled out louis.com. So L-U-E-A-T-S-D-O-T-C-O-M. So you can find me there, but really you can find all of my social media links at my website, louis.com. Awesome. And I will have all of those links on the show notes for this episode, episode 110. So everyone, you can either just go over there straight to her stuff or go to the show notes. Okay. Okay. Now for real. Quick fire round. Okay. Yay. Number one. Three words to describe you. Go. Bold. Silly. Uh, pensive. Like thoughtful. Mm. Thinking. That's a good one. Um, Describe your first kiss. Oh, my first kiss. Oh, my gosh. I have to remember it. Oh, I remember it. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. My first kiss was in seventh grade at a party, and it really, really wasn't anything to describe here. It was pretty boring. Okay. There you go. I don't know how else to describe it. It was like just a bunch of preteens kissing at a party, and I happened to kiss someone. I mean, I think that, yeah, that's a good story. (laughs) (laughs) boring my first real kiss was on a marching band bus and we were coming back (laughs) from we were coming back from a competition and my boyfriend at the time told everyone pretty much on the bus like all the percussions and all the clarinetists like what was going on and everyone like made sure we sat next to each other and it was dark and I was like laying kind of like sleeping on him and then I just I'll I'll never forget like (laughs) I'll never forget him like Coming, like, you know, we're wearing, like, these huge marching suit jackets, got our hats next to us with the feathers, and, like, I just remember his face, like, coming in, like, diving in right for me with his eyes wide open, and my eyes were, like, wide open, and then he just, like, shoved his tongue in, and I was just like, what is this? What's going on? Like, we're staring at each other in each other's eyes. Um, awkward. (laughs) 
I am so glad that you described your first kiss because it's way more entertaining than mine. I mean, I can picture like your band gear, shoulder pads <laughs> bumping into each other. It's perfect. Oh, yeah. I'll never like that. That's why I asked that question because like mine was just so oh, oh, intense. There's just so much. Okay. What's your favorite color? Well, my favorite color to wear is black. I like to wear black, gray, and white. But my favorite color to look at, like to see, is yellow. If you could pick any spirit animal, what do you think it would be for you? Ooh, an elephant. Mm, that was an easy one. Yay, I love elephants. What's a must-read book? Oh, a must-read book. Let's see. One that I've been recommending to a lot of my friends lately is Only Ever Yours by Louise O'Neill. Hmm. And it is a young adult fiction because I like oh, YA. Me too. And it's dystopian, but it also has a lot of feminism, feminist undertones. And, like, it's just – it's really great. It talks about the future and, like, what the world could look like if we continued on this trajectory of um, just – what do I want to say? Just the way that we view women's bodies and oh – it's, it's really cool. So it's just, it's really, really neat. So you got to get your hands on it. I love it. I've lent it out several times and I really hope they make a movie. You just described almost everything that I adore in books. Like, first of all, young adult is where it's at. And then secondly, I love dystopia fiction. Oh, so it's, so, it's just so good. <sighs> Listen, do you have a Kindle? Do you have a Kindle? Yeah, I have a Kindle. I'm going to get it after this, like immediately. I'm going to send it to you after this. Oh, Don't you get it. send it to me? Yeah, I'm going to oh. send you a present. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Okay. Um, if you could interview anybody, who would it be? Oh, if I could interview anybody, it would be Harriet Tubman. Mm. She's dead. But if she were alive, it would totally be Harriet Tubman. I love her. She was called the Moses of her people because she, once she was free from slavery, she escaped from slavery. If people don't know who she is, if you don't know who she is, what are you thinking? <laughs> but... Um, she escaped from slavery and the thing about her was if she, she said several times that she couldn't enjoy her freedom and experience her freedom unless everyone was free. Oh, so yeah. she kept going back South and risking being enslaved again in order to set other people free. And I love that. I love that idea. And I feel like for you and me, Maddie, and for so many of our other colleagues, it's sort of what we do. We've gained freedom and now we go back and take other people. And so I just, I don't know. I've always had a thing for her ever since I was a kid. And it's funny to see the work I do in the world now in the light of like, I know I'm nowhere near a Harriet Tubman, but I like to think in my own little way, that's what I do. Wow. I love you just connected the dots there. Cause I never thought of it like that, but yeah, I mean, that's essentially what we're doing in a completely different, less frightening way. But yeah. uh, being being bold and being yourself and, and like sticking up for everyone. I love it. What is the best movie you've watched in the past months? Oh, my goodness. The best movie. Maddie, I haven't watched any movie in the past month except for Finding Dory because I took my daughter and a bunch of her friends there for her ninth birthday. So it would, by default, have to be the best. But you you know what I'm secretly binge watching on Netflix so mm. but yeah I haven't watched a movie wait what are you secretly binge watching why can't I think did we snap you know about this it we did snap about this what? I'll confess to the I'll confess to all your listeners oh right that's right that's right you don't have to I remember <laughs> I can't leave him hanging okay you guys I'm watching it. gossip I'm watching gossip girl still like me 
La la la. You know you want to watch it, y'all. You know. Don't be sorry, because I know every girl is secretly like, yeah. <laughs> I've never watched it before, and one of my friends was like, you're going to get sucked in, and you're going to feel like ridiculous for watching it, but do it. And she was exactly right. Here I am. Do you. Like, you know, gossip away. That's I love right. it. I mean, I've been I've been through that. My One of my favorite shows is The O.C. Like, Oh, yeah. I watched ever, all of yeah, that. Yeah, I've watched all of those seasons, like five times i love the oc you know it's interesting though because like i've asked this question best movie you've watched in the past months like i don't know the past 10 or more episodes probably like 20 and Uh the past like six every single person's been like oh i don't really watch movies and i'm like i watch one like every day (laughs) or like every i know one i want to see i know one i want to see and i almost watched on the plane home from california but then i didn't so i've been chomping at the bit what but we'll see i want to see the danish girl Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was at that was on my plane too, and I wanted, I was going to watch it, but that one has subtitles, right? I don't know. I don't know if it does or not. I've just really, really wanted to see that. I want to read the book too, so that's what happened on the plane. I was like, I can't decide if I want to read the book first, and then I didn't. Yeah, might be thinking of something else, but I remember some Danish movie was on my plane. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Do 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 do. What is the next country on your bucket list to visit? Oh, the next country on my bucket list to visit. Um, you know, I would really like to go to Ireland. Mm. I have friends who just got back from there. I'd love to go there. I would love to go see Italy. Uh, but I also want to go back. I was in Cambodia years ago, and it has a piece of my heart. I want to go back. I want to take my husband. I've been telling him since we were dating that I wanted to go back there. So I'd love to do that. And... Oh, gosh. And Rwanda. I have good friends in Rwanda. I have dear friends who were married there. And I thought I was going to go a couple years ago and didn't, but it's definitely on my heart to go mm-hmm. there, too. I say the same thing, the exact same thing about Cambodia. Like, yeah, a part of my heart is there. And I think it all it's just something about that place. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, huh, which part? Which was it? Um, uh, Siem Reap? I went to Phnom, I went to oh. Phnom Penh. OK, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you haven't been to Siem Reap. OK, when you go, you got to go to both. I know. See, I want Reap. to. Jeez, the, the Angkor Wat temples. But I, I definitely think Phnom Penh is when I had my eyes just opened up, you know? Mm-hmm. We chatted about this. We snapped about this. I remember. Oh, that. yeah. All right. Uh, currently, what's your favorite meal? My favorite meal. You know what? I love breakfast. Mm-hmm. And so currently, I have been loving making myself an omelet in the morning and with onions and spinach in it. And avo toast. So, and really what I do is I take my omelet and I slap it right on top of my avocado toast and then I eat it all like a sandwich. <laughs> oh, I miss all those things so <laughs> much. Oh my God. I miss my own kitchen. I miss. I have to tell you, I tried the sweet potato avo toast and it was not the same. Really? It wasn't bad, but it was just like. But did it work? I'm- like when you toasted it, like cooked it? Yeah, I had to toast it a few extra times, but it's good. It's just, I mean, it's not like toast. Yeah, it's not toast. I mean, nothing is no. toast but toast. Wow. No. Um, <laughs> and then my last question for you. What do you say makes your life exceptional? This is a tougher question, but first thing that comes to mind, what makes your life exceptional? I really think that what makes my life exceptional is 
freedom. Like I just feel this is not, you know, just a little song and dance here. I just feel so free to be myself and to love people the way that I want to love them and to have this amazing relationship with my husband and to be a great mama and a great coach and a great daughter and friend. I feel really free in my expression of myself and that feels really good. Yeah. I mean, again, mm-hmm. that kind of goes along with the whole Harriet Tubman thing. <laughs> Freedom. Yeah. I love it. Exactly. So, thank you, Lou, so much for coming on the show. This has been such a pleasure. We talked about like a million different topics and they're all so important. <laughs> so thank you for coming on and for being such a thought provoking leader and, and going back for, for the others and showing them the way. Thank you. Thank you, Maddie. All right, everyone. If you want to get her links, check out the show notes. You can go to my website, as always, maddiemoon.com. This is episode 110. Love you guys. Thank you for tuning in. And if you want more insight, I've got – actually, I have a new free guide on my website, which I'm stoked about. It's a it's a course. So I'm not going to be promoting 10 Proven Steps for Ending Any Diet Obsession anymore. I have a course. So if you want to check out the course, go to my website. You can sign up for that. And I'll see you guys next week. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.